0: Welcome to Diplomacy, the podcast for communications in mergers and acquisitions, brought to you by Corporate Diplomat. With our guests, we'll discuss how the financial, economic, political, and social context can actually impact the value created by a transaction. My name is Louis de Schalmer, and I will be your host. Serge Krankebrum, welcome to Diplomacy. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Louis, for having me today. Serge, you're the co-founder and group executive chairman of IQEQ, and you will have to tell us something about those guys. And throughout your career, you have always been involved in the financial sector as an entrepreneur, as an investor, and as an advisor to institutional or entrepreneurial families. So who or what has made the Serge, the person that you are today?
1: Frankly, I don't know. I think most of it is not the studies I made because, frankly, I don't remember anything from my, from my studies. I think mostly it's the people I met, one after the other. I, I think globally, I mean, uh, I did things in a very empirical manner. The people I had the chance to meet when I was a student, when I was even... Uh, Younger and after the people I met uh, when I started working have been instrumental in what I am today so I think I took I was very open-minded and I tried to learn with I mean all those people and a number of them have been really have made an impact on me I do remember of a few people that Uh, a cousin of my father for example I mean who was very successful in the US, he was in the financial industry, used to work for Merrill uh, Merrill Lynch he had incredible billionaire clients, at the time billionaires were billionaires you know (laughs) Uh, so a billion meant something now you have a billionaire every day a new one and after other people, clients I met were I mean incredible uh, business people I think I learned a lot from them, and they gave me also the energy and even the idea to do what I what I did later. Because I, I came from the border, from Mets, from a family who was – my father was an entrepreneur, but he was, you know, uh, a small local entrepreneur. But I had the chance to be close to a number of people who had – incredible success, entrepreneurial success. And so that gave me the drive, the idea to do, I mean, what I did later. So it's mostly the people.
0: So you still hopefully are continuing to meet successful people. You meet entrepreneurs. You meet entrepreneurs who have success, who suffer, who have plans, who have ideas. If we go around the mergers and acquisitions, um, what are the questions you're asking them? The first time when they tell you about an idea, what is it that you need to know to give good advice?
1: I have made a lot of, of acquisitions. I've mm-hmm. also sold my company a few, uh, my, my company a few times. So this is a process I know from the two angles, those two angles. So I meet a lot of entrepreneurs, and I love entrepreneurial stories. And when I meet an entrepreneur, it's an entrepreneur meeting another entrepreneur. So we connect. We might be of different countries, of different uh, different origins, speaking different languages, having had different life stories. But in the end, we are entrepreneurs. So I understand what is the life of an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is very often is, is lonely because you need to take decisions, you know, uh, yourself when you're an entrepreneur, except when you have partners. And I had the chance in my professional life to have had you know, one partner when I started as an entrepreneur. We were two partners in Luxembourg and it was wonderful to not to be alone. But a lot of those entrepreneurs are very lonely and they need to take difficult decisions, dangerous decisions, and very often they can take advice, but in the end, they take the decision. So I know what it is and so we can connect with with that. And I love to be with entrepreneurs. So the, the success, for example, of what we have been doing at IQEQ was to, be, to make sure that every entrepreneur joining the party, joining the group, would have a real entrepreneurial role for the
0: future. And we still have all of them with us. So when those entrepreneurial spirits connect, when somebody tells you about his her great idea of what she he wants to do how do you proceed to to understand to engage about the idea or tell the person mm, that's dangerous? There are two different things for
1: IQQ. Most of the time, we do not invest in startups.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: except for certain very specific tech companies, that we, when we need the tech, we are ready to invest. You know, as as a minority shareholder. So most of the time, we acquire businesses which are already growing in existence and have already a market. We are not basing uh, our views on investing or not on the basis of, is it a good idea? It's, is it a good business? And is it run by a good entrepreneur? And when I say good entrepreneur, it's not only, I mean, a good entrepreneur that has run his business, has developed his business or her business in a successful one, but it's also someone sharing our values because we will have to work with that person on a daily basis in the future. So the big issue there is do we share certain values or is it someone who is killing his staff, you know, I mean, uh, for more? Efficiency or, or more revenue? Or is it someone who is running the business or driving his, his company in the same way we are, in a very sustainable manner?
0: So, how important is the governance that you're able to establish? Or if you want to proceed in, in, in an investment, how do you establish a, an appropriate and a good governance in the transaction first and in the business or after the integration afterwards?
1: I think if you do not have a clear idea, and if you do not express it of what will be the governance after we we will have made the acquisition and what is going to be the role of each person after the acquisition, you'll have a problem. Because, you know, I mean, sometimes it would be easier to say, okay, we make the acquisition, we don't tell them where they are going to be, what they are going to do exactly, it's a good acquisition the business is a great one, we want it, we want that to be present in that country or we want that market segment. But in fact, it would be a huge mistake because when you do this, you definitely run into a problem because the people are going to be disappointed. It's much better to map everything before and to decide with the people, okay, here's how we are organized. It might be a change with the way you organize for the time being. But here's the role you could have. It can be a global role, even more global than the one you have now, but it would be on the limited market segment, for example. Or we buy your business. You are the only one in that country. You would be the one running the business in exactly the same way that you ran it so far in your country. We have nothing to tell you, and we have no one to send to your, to your country to run the business or to help you running the business. I mean, we, we are very open for these kind of things, but the first thing is tell people before and have an agreement before you acquire the businesses.
0: In a business decision, you mentioned the culture, you mentioned the, the ethics, the work ethics in an enterprise. How important is sustainability today in investment decisions? And how do you see that progress? We know that some private equity are looking after it very intensively. Some of it is face value. Some of it is really lived and they really believe in it. How do you see the the, the relevance of of sustainability and and the engagement of the broader stakeholders?
1: I think the first thing is to discuss what is sustainability. For a lot of people nowadays, sustainability just uh, impact investing, green investment. I don't think it's only that. I think sustainability is, is your business going to be there in 40 years or 50 years? And in order for your business to be there in 50 years, you need to have business ethics. You need to have a commitment to everything which is uh, diversity in your workforce, everything which is uh, good social practices and good social ways i mean good good ways of dealing with the people globally in your organization and also i think also your business needs to be environment friendly because i mean there is going to be if not there is going to be an issue and you are not going to be there in 40 years if you do not have those different dimensions of sustainability and my aim is really making sure that my business is going to be there still in 40 years. The only way to do this is not to enter into any business that is maybe going to be very profitable in the short term, but is going to be not acceptable in the future or which is going to maybe raise concerns or maybe having uh, major issues. So you can make a lot of money by uh, investing in, in operations where it's dangerous so uh, you have a return on the risk. But do we want to make those type of investments? Do we want to acquire businesses in countries where, which are not stable? Do we want to make investment, for example, in our business, which is we help asset managers and we help investors in being compliant? Do we want to enter into businesses which are based only on tax reports? No, because not only it will end one day, But second, it will not be acceptable very soon. And when it's not acceptable, it's not acceptable by even the people we would like to hire. They will not come to work for us. It's not acceptable for the market, which means that the value of my shares is going to diminish in the end. So it's not only because I want to be good to society, it's also good for the investor
0: Is there enough space on the Excel spreadsheets in a due diligence for measuring and capturing sustainability?
1: It's quite interesting. Uh, More and more, you know, we look at those components in the due diligence. Before, the due diligence was a financial due diligence, commercial due diligence, full audit of the accounts, all these kind of things. But more and more, we look at reputational ESG due diligence. You know, all the different dimensions. Either an issue on the reputation of the company we acquire, either an issue on the reputation of the people, I mean, who run that company or, I mean, are the owners. And it can be, you know, a, a reputation issue, uh, a reputational issue on everything which is the environment. It can be about nowadays, you know, I mean, the issues with Me Too, for example, or, issues with diversity and inclusion, or it can be an issue with different type of business ethics. Either was there a corruption issue in the past? Were there an issue in in fraud somewhere? This is even more important than looking at the numbers because everything can be perfect except for this. And you will know only one thing. You will have a problem. You don't know how, you don't know when, but you will, you will have a problem. So we do. It's not in the, in the Excel spreadsheet, but definitely we outsource that type of work to
0: specialized firms. When you look at the cultural assessment that you mentioned earlier, also meeting the entrepreneurial spirit and, and aligning with the target on the cultural aspects, how far do you go in assessing the culture in advance? Is that as a lot of us do, just because it's a, a stomach thing, we know it works, or we don't feel it works, or how far do you go into into actually trying to put this into, let's say, a spreadsheet?
1: Louis, I, I think we we need to be cognizant that there are different cultures at different companies, and it's it's not true when the people tell you. I mean, we share the same culture. It might happen. But frankly, it happens rarely. Because company cultures are defined by different things. First of all, by by the top, you know, by the head, but also by the country, the mentality in the country, and the culture. And it might be very different. It might be very different. So it's, I think more important is to discuss values to make sure that we share the same values because it's broader and it's more fundamental. After, you have to accept that there are different cultures and you need to incorporate this in your group culture, but you should not be too strict about it because if not, it would never work, especially when you become a global group.
0: You mentioned the aspect of, of values, uh, reputation that goes into brand and brand equity. You have rebranded your own business as well. How do you build and, and measure brand value or brand equity?
1: We had a lot of discussions about branding, as you can imagine, at the time we, we rebranded. In fact, what happened was that we, we were a platform where we acquired a number of businesses and we decided to acquire in a very short period of time two businesses that were almost the same size as our size. So there, you need to ask yourself, do you just put your name on those businesses or do you want the people to feel that all the people that they belong to a new global entity? And we decided for the latter we decided that it was more important to find a global name for the business than to just i mean give our name even though our name was well known on certain of those markets so we had no ego the existing partners within the business we had no ego about our name about sgg it was just a reminiscence of our former name which was service general gesture at the time we acquired the business from anderson So we we decided that we would choose a new name for everyone. And I just had the conversation again with another firm we we were discussing a potential merger with. We like our new name, definitely. But if the people think in that specific company, on that specific market, that they need to keep their name for one or two years, it's not a big issue. We, We can cope with that in certain countries because I mean the most important is not to hinder by any way the growth and we don't want to lose people or clients when we make an acquisition. So the value of the brand the IQEQ brand I think is I think our marketing team has done a great job because in a few years now they have been able to raise the value of the brand in many countries and it was a creation a full creation I think the good thing is there is a meaning behind the name. There is a purpose and there is a meaning. And that was very important because, I mean, they gave us, I mean, the, the agency, the branding agency we commissioned for that gave us two names only. One, I don't want to give it because I will use it one day for something else. But the other one was IQQ, and it came from all the interviews they had made with clients. Employees, stakeholders—you know—in in the industry, in the ecosystem—and it came from the fact that we are—we need technical knowledge, the IQ, but also we need to be close to our clients and to understand their needs. And we need the emotion part of the business is very important. That's my part. It's the EQ. So we decided instead of—I mean trying to find a name according to that, to use it, iq EQ. And I think it was easier to promote that brand because the brand means something. It really means something which is part of the DNA of the group.
0: Maybe to close up, in those transactions, the win-win, is it possible? So a win-win, let's put it this way, for the buyer, for the seller also, And you mentioned that you have sold your own business as well. So how important and and is the win-win a reality? Because we also see very often that when you are a seller, usually people celebrate the buyers and the seller is very quiet. And there may be very good and strategic reasons to sell because it doesn't fit the portfolio or there is a new evolution. So it may make very good sense to sell. How do you see that?
1: We all know that the people selling at the top are lucky people. They're not smart. They're lucky. In fact, you never know if your company or, I mean, the company you have can be worth more money in the future. So when you are selling at a certain stage, it's because of a number of reasons. Maybe you want to relocate, relocate resources to other things that you think are going to be more valuable in the future because it might be because you have a family issue. It might be because of many different things. So you sell and you can be a happy seller and the buyer can be a happy buyer. At IQEQ, what we do, except when we buy from a corporation, a large corporation, or a fund, most of the time we buy from entrepreneurs. We are better buying from entrepreneurs because of what I told you, they connect to us in a different way. And what we do, we buy their business, but they reinvest part of the proceeds with us. So in fact, what they do is they cash in for part of what uh, they have created so far, it might not be what they would cash five years down, down the road, but they want to uh, invest in other things. They want to, uh, to start a f- their own family office for diversification purposes. So they sell part of the shares or they sell 100% of the shares and they reinvest. But by reinvesting, reinvesting with us, they are not only fully aligned with the value creation, that uh, we are going to make and they, can, they have their say and they continue working with us. But also they have a second time down the line where they are going to make a second capital gain with us. So it's a happy buyer and a happy seller.
0: If I sum up our conversation, I would say one of the aspects that you really highlighted and and it was also part of your last response is is this connectivity connectivity as entrepreneurs connectivity with people connectivity as culture as values so that that this creates this this network kind of that is a powerful network for the future i also like your idea about this future which is a long-term perspective is also something which you which you underlined you mentioned that in order to live together and in order to develop and grow and prosper a business well you need to have kind of this long term perspective that's at least what i stood and i think this business as a continuum really it's always it starts again you have to question yourself you allow yourself to to put yourself back in okay where do we need to go how can we restart how can we reposition ourselves? And if we need to adapt, well, we will adapt because the world is changing and we will adapt. And I like that as a very positive entrepreneurial spirit and, and, and messaging. Um, Serge, maybe to, to conclude, what would be your, your, your piece of advice in M&A? The one piece that our auditors can, can take away from, from this conversation that you would want to share.
1: The main reason of success for convincing other entrepreneurs or people to sell to you and not to someone else is to spend the time in understanding them, in understanding what is their real objectives, what they want for the future, why they are uh, ready to sell and why they would be ready to join. Is there, is there a good reason A reason we can understand. Take the time to explain who we are. That's the most important, I think. Because as I said before, the EQ part is going to be instrumental. If you don't take it into account, you might or you will run into an issue.
0: Thank you, Serge, for for that one. I love those questions. I, I think what we, what we tend to say is you always have to start with, with the end. <laughs> yeah. Serge, so, thank you for taking the time, for joining us at Diplomacy today. Uh, let's uh, keep in touch. Looking forward to sharing this and speak to you very soon.
1: It was a real pleasure, Louis. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Diplomacy please explore our website www.corporate-diplomat.com or our LinkedIn page. I hope you have enjoyed. Feel free to subscribe and hit the follow button. Have a great day.